Welcome to Business Line's State of the Economy podcast, where you will find insight, analysis, and the story behind the numbers. Hello and welcome to another edition of Business Line State of the Economy podcast. I'm your host Ayushikar. I'm a tech journalist with the publication and today we're going to address some major tech news that has developed over the recent days. We started off this week with two major data breaches that happened over the last week. Firstly, you had the largest data breach to ever have happened in the country uh, when the personal data of over 800 million Indians was made available on the dark web, apparently sourced by the ICMR. And then yesterday we had, or on Wednesday, we had Apple send warnings of a potential state-initiated data breach of iPhones of uh, leaders of uh, opposition parties across the political spectrum. And this also included some of their staffers and journalists from OCCRP, which is uh, an investigative news organization that was involved in, in very, very recently around the investigation on stock manipulation by the Indian billionaire Adani. I have with me Mishi Chaudhary. She is a very famous technology lawyer and an online civil rights activist. She is also the fellow at the Aspen Institute, which is a American non-for-profit and a graduate of Columbia Law School. She speaks extensively on the digital rights of Indian citizens and how these regulations around uh, data protection and digital rights are evolving in the current paradigm. And we're very glad to have you, Mishi, here to talk about uh, these recent reports. Well, thank you for having me. I wish we were talking in better circumstances, but here we are. Yeah, I think let us start uh, out with how we kicked off the week, really, where Resecurity, an American cybersecurity intelligence agency, pointed towards the largest data breach that has happened in the country, where uh, the uh, private records or other records of over 800 million Indians was made available over the dark web. So this is more than 50% of the Indian population. Now, we have not really gotten any response from the government or from the Indian Council of Medical Research, which is apparently the source of this breach. Um, and I just wanted to get a read from you, Mishi, on this situation. Like, uh, where do you think, like, firstly, just help us understand implications or help, like, uh, understand the implications of this breach on the daily lives of normal Indians? And how are you sort of reading the government's response or lack thereof to the situation? So, uh, first of all, I would say is that in our lives, since um, a lot of progress has been made and digital India is becoming a reality, we are being asked to share sensitive information almost every other day, no matter where you go, whether you want to open a bank account or you want to pay anywhere, even when things are not required, everybody asks for your Aadhaar number. Mobile phone numbers are shared uh, randomly everywhere. There's no uh, rule about it. People ask for our information. You buy a thing in an Indian shop, they would be like, what is your mobile number? I'd like to keep that record. And there is a variety of snippets of information which we are being asked to provide uh, for different reasons, COVID vaccine, uh, anything else which we want to do with, especially with the government, but also with private entities, we are asked to share data. Now, that data is not the same data as we put out sometimes on social media. 
something which is voluntary, a picture here or the fact that we there. And people many a times confuse those things to say, oh, you're sharing everything on social media. What is your problem about it? I think the problem when it happens is that something which is so sensitive and information like your mobile phone number, your Aadhaar number, your PAN number or your passport number, these are pieces of identity. Now, these pieces can be used for identity theft. Somebody can use those pieces and then try to behave like me. If my Aadhaar number, my PAN number and my mobile number are available somewhere, then there is a lot more damage they can do, whether it is about accessing my financial information or my health information, or even perhaps sending out information to other people, which may be compromising. We've seen when phone, when uh, pictures are taken, um, I'm sure that BBC covered very recently a big loan scam which is going on. That is apps, uh, people uh, are offered tiny amounts of loan and promises with instant loan deliveries. And then the recovery process becomes a harassment case. And uh, where sometimes what happens is that they would morph your pictures and then send really obscene pictures, pornographic pictures to everybody in your contact list. And that really creates real life pressure on people. So identity theft, which can become a whole different issue for everybody, that's a major concern that can happen. Uh, when you said uh, the response of the government, the idea is that um, we should all get the benefits of technology. None of us actually miss the days of going to the bank and standing in lines. We like online banking. We like the ability of conducting um, teleconsultation with our doctors. The traffic is pretty bad and uh, everything else also um, points towards the fact that we want to use technology. But the responsibility of keeping ourselves secure with that usage of technology is imposed also on individuals. You, me, everybody else, we don't have time to figure out all these terms and conditions, privacy policy, what is being done with data. We have a lot of other things to do in our lives. We have to live our lives. We have to do our jobs. We have to take care of our children. And we have to celebrate festivals and do other things. And uh, what we want is that we want all the benefits of the technology, but we want in the background that rules, laws, regulations should also work automatically, just like other things in technology work, so that they favor us. So that when collect when data is collected about us, we don't have to worry about, oh, did we do something wrong by giving our data? We need to know that that data is encrypted. Encrypted means that it is only accessible to people for the purpose for which it was collected and only to those people who we know have a purpose there to do something. If a bank wants to know whether I, as Mishi Chaudhary, is sending money to Ayushi Kar, then the bank should be allowed to know. Banks should be able to see my account details uh, and your account details in order to transfer that money. But nobody else should come into the middle. And all of that can be done technologically possible. It can by making sure we follow something which we called in our world, data-centric security. That the, you secure the data, you take away the responsibilities of, oh, you didn't do this thing and that thing didn't work. And that's why my third thing, which I would say is that um, uh, the response of the government. Here, what we've seen with the government in India, at least, data breaches are happening almost every other day. Sometimes they don't even make headlines. 
every other day we are noticing uh, that Aadhaar data is being leaked. But the response is mostly this game of, oh, it didn't happen here. It may have happened somewhere else. That is about holding of responsibility. That does not help the final consumer or the customer. If I am in court and then I have to punish somebody for someone, uh, for some reason, then we can decide, okay, it didn't happen at UIDI, but it happened because third parties had access to UIDI. And we can punish that third party. We can also ensure that in future UIDI has not only the technical capabilities, but also the legal capabilities to ensure that that data is protected. But what we see is deflection, denial, not really interested in going deep down into saying we are building public infrastructure, a digital modern public infrastructure for a country which has the largest population in the world. We will have problems. We will have issues about it. So here is the honest way of looking at it that we are going to invest in cybersecurity. We are going to invest in making people secure. We are not going to just let the billionaires say, oh, data is the new oil, let's monetize data, let's sell data, which is what we hear. Instead, we need to say, we want to go in this direction, but we also want to protect our citizens. So I would say right now, the response is, um, uh, it's not disappointing, it's a non-response almost. It's mostly deflection, no responsibility. We're not there, this is not there. We are not children. This is not playground that we keep pointing fingers. What we, 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 what we need is responsibility and an ability for the consumer to be able to use all of this without having to worry about what's going to happen to their data. How is it going to impact them later? Do you think that these breaches are going to sort of make the government be more circumspect on a collection of data? And even now that it's, it is drafting the rules of the data protection bill that has been passed in the parliament to sort of build into that some 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 sort of regulatory mechanism to kind of uh, stop data breaches on the get-go. Like when, that was one of the biggest criti critiques of the data protection bill, that it was not really doing much about data breaches pre-facto. Like there are some, anything to eliminate these data breaches that are happening where really integral data of citizens that are sort of stored within these government organizations is being leaked out in various capacities. Um, do you, do you see any movement in that direction that is likely to come? Obviously, the government has not shown any indication on that matter, but is there uh, anything that the government can likely do? And uh, should it stop collecting data in the light of it being proven that our infrastructure is not really working to protect the data that it has of its citizens? I will say one thing. I think we need to have a mature conversation, which is what we lack. What we do is... You're a tech journalist, Ayushi, you know this much more than I know, that um, uh, we go through the motions. We pretend we are doing the right thing. If you're a politician, I know some noises always have to be made, but then it also has to be backed up by real action. I think we're so scared of everything into saying that if we talk about rights, somehow we are going to take away innovation. That's, that dichotomy is false. And that's something which perhaps Bangalore wants us to think because they only want rights for themselves. They don't want rights for everybody, uh, anybody else. 
the second thing i'm going to say is that we are just constantly looking it it data as it's something to monetize so intent really matters but the world is really moving in a different direction whether it was day monday um president biden put out another executive order about secure ai everybody understands there is benefit to the technology but some we all have to actually grapple and uh, treat the technology with the responsibility which the governments owe to their citizens that's not happening in india so if you don't have that mature honest conversation with the intent to say yes we want innovation but that innovation cannot come at the expense of the rights of the citizens so i will say government is not going to stop collecting data of course they're not going to stop collecting data um, that but i think we all need to t be able to resist when people are asking us for that data that that you need to tell us how are you going to protect all of it if you cannot protect it then there has to be some other way of thinking now the protection of data there are enough companies one of them which i am uh, the svp of and uh, several other very competent companies who will tell you how to protect that data how to exchange that data securely also so that only people who are entitled to it have access to it they will also tell you when there is a data breach how quickly people have to respond within 24 hours things have to happen if you don't respond and if there are no contracts in place then you how much fine you have to pay for it what kind of legal repercussions you will have to face about it the dptp act just makes citizens and companies somewhat responsible does not hold the government responsible at all we don't talk about surveillance part which is perhaps the second part of what you want to talk about today is that uh, india is the only country in the world which is a democracy of our size that does not have judicial or parliamentary oversight over surveillance and and that creates problems for all of us um so to to say a question the government should stop doing this until they assure us that they can protect that data whether they are going to do it no whether um something will come out of it we haven't seen anything so far uh yes rules are being drafted right now um but any law is only as useful as its enforcement and if we are going to just say oh there is a law but it takes forever go to court get stuck there for 5 years when bail applications for people are not being heard about it my case will go on forever people will not use that mechanism then people only rich people have access to justice just like rich people have access to privacy these days um, then we are not really really doing right by our citizens there is the world is moving towards a direction which is no longer the largest fair of the last 10 years where facebook all these companies just collected all our data and the government didn't say anything uh, world is moving towards a place where people have demand have demanded that we want technology but we also want respect for our rights and india needs to have a mature reckoning rather than pretending to go through motions or just uh, engage in the game of denial apple which is sort of purportedly considered to be one of the most secure devices you will see even like indian politicians carry that device around because it has those kind of encryptions uh, built into it or that those are the claims or the beliefs that is associated with the device and you are seeing um threats of breach or alerts being kind of uh featured on these devices as well um can you just walk us through that 
news piece in and of itself and the first thing i will say is the the statement you made apple devices are one of the most secure devices the notification that the leaders of oppositions have reported means apple is doing its job and so are the devices um that also means that privacy is a luxury product because only if you can afford an apple device you will be able to get the alerts that somebody is targeting you fourth thing i'm going to say is this is not a malware or uh, the regular run of the mill breach so our first part of discussion and this part are completely different this is not that something uh, some cyber breach happened which you said we are all becoming numb to or something else happened this is not that apple sends out these notifications to people when it suspects that there is some very powerful attack happening and they always say these are state sponsored attacks because they know that states have very different kind of resources behind them and they can identify a sophisticated attack when it comes from a state sponsored actor now apple has under mr tim cook made privacy its primary value every time you will see a billboard they are now talking about privacy privacy no matter where you go you go to new york miami delhi wherever you go apple is advertising privacy and they are going to stand behind it it is a very very successful business and if they have bet that business on this value they are going to stand behind it they've done a fantastic job i've i'm uh, um i've been following that thing they were not very good on it earlier and uh, but they have done a fantastic job in order to ensure that they can live by the world so the device is doing its job when apple sends that threat notification it means as i said two things one a state is behind it this is not your run of the mill attack second people who are getting the notification they are getting the notification because the state is targeting those specific individuals and that is mostly because they what their position in public life is who they are what they do they didn't attack you they didn't attack me they didn't attack but uh, perhaps our friends relatives etc because that's not there's no point in that this is supposed to be targeted kind of an attack this is not a mass attack so that's what has happened let's walk through two kind of a flow charts let's say first thing is that uh, is there any circumstantial evidence yes there are many things which raise suspicion why are only the leaders of opposition getting these threat notifications did anyone in the government get these threat notifications did any of the ministers get it did anybody from the ruling party get it why didn't they get these threat notifications why are only the leaders of opposition getting it so second thing is that um, the last time there was bruhaha about 110 activists journalists various people who had been targeted by pegasus we went to the supreme court a committee was appointed we went in circles nothing came out of it the committee said there was some malware we couldn't find anything nothing came out of it it was like everybody can just operate with impunity and denials were adequate internationally whether by citizen lab which is highly respected for its independence or amnesty's new uh, tech team everybody and independent journalists proved that this was being used by uh, the state nso also said that they only sell it to the states 
So it's not that you and I, even if we had the money of one of the billionaires we had, that we can go and buy it. They don't sell it. They only send it, sell it to state. State means the governments, the countries. So uh, we never heard. We, nothing came out of it. None of us know anything. Everything is shrouded in secrecy. India has three major um, uh, data collection and surveillance mechanisms. Central monitoring system, Netra and NatGrid. Many of them which started after the... Uh, Bombay attacks in 2008, however, saw much more resources in the current government and they have been exempted from RTI. There's no newspaper report. In uh, courts, the government is not giving any information, so we do not know how much of our data is being collected. Whether the government did it or not did it, this also creates a chilling effect because they, what if they are doing it? What if this conversation you and I are having is monitored? Then you're always watching you know, you're like always careful about what you see. And that creates a chilling effect because you're scared, you're worried about it. And that does not make for an informed citizenry or a good democracy. So now um, in uh, earlier this year, Financial Times ran a story that Pegasus, which was manufactured by the Israeli company NSO, it has been blacklisted, of course, by the US. The Biden administration did it. Um, that India had put out a tender for some $120 million to find alternatives. We don't know what happened afterwards. They were evaluating predators. Now, um, all of these things at least raise questions and suspicions to a large extent that what is happening. The minister comes and says, oh, this notification was sent in 150 countries. That is a false statement. It's misleading and false because that's not what Apple has said. Many of the editors started saying, oh, Apple has issued a clarification. Then they could not cite who's the person who has issued a clarification. Then obviously everybody like us who knows all of this figured out what they'd done was they'd taken language from the support page and they were trying to attribute as a statement. These notifications, what Apple has said is that since they started to send out these notifications, they have sent it to 100 and people based in 150 countries since they started, not yesterday. And um, it, it's it's this when when there is no honesty, transparency, it raises much more suspicion rather than it clarifies. Now let's go to the other. So I said there is flowchart about it. So if these circumstantial evidence we are to believe, and it's government of India which has done it, it raises a lot of questions about democracy, which is not just about electoral democracy, because it's about institutions. It's about oppositions uh, parties being able to exist. Every op every democracy has to celebrate a good opposition. If tomorrow uh, the ruling party is in the opposition, we all should be supporting them also. It's the, it's just how democracies should work. So that is an issue. Now, if it's not government of India or its agencies, but it's some other state-sponsored actor, then we should all be much more concerned. This is a real issue of security of state, not the usual national security, national security. It's a real issue. Who's doing it? Is it China? Is it Pakistan? Is there going to be a terrorist attack? And that raises questions about is like, is India not actually prepared of its cybersecurity infrastructure? And what is India going to be doing about it? And that means our critical infrastructure, like power, like electricity, like uh, 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 healthcare infrastructure, all of that is vulnerable. And if some other state can target us, then they can target anything. Today's modern warfare is a lot about cyber warfare also. 
So shouldn't that be raising concerns for the government and shouldn't they actually be doing something on it? So in either case, I think we need, again, honesty and we need some independent experts to be involved and investigation, which is time bound. A lot can be done in two to four weeks when product releases have to happen. Companies can work quite fast. We can get independent people to look into all of that. Forensic analysis of all these devices can be done. And uh, we can all give a report and complete clarification to citizens in four weeks if we are serious about it. So this is uh, what I will walk you through the entire thing that has happened. I mean, I was going to ask you about uh, government's response, but I think you've adequately covered that. But I really want to point to what you said that like, in a way, it seems like privacy security is driven by how much money you have in your pocket. Can you afford an Apple device? Do you have those softwares and access to the companies that can sort of um, uh, walk you through what are the next steps in a paradigm where these breaches and uh, all these surveillance and likely attacks are, uh, this is the environment, internet environment that we really operate on. Um, can you walk us through the, from a devices perspective, like uh, what is the kind of security that let's say Android users or homegrown iOS users or people that use Chinese smartphones, et cetera, like what, what kind of paradigm are they looking at if these, uh, if, if state surveillance and these threats are very real as this Apple kind of email points out? So I, I think the problem, problem here is that we are all on our own for all of it for now. Unless there is an active real protection from the state, we really have to do a lot on our own. Uh, my organization, SFLC.in, runs um, free digital security trainings for all kinds of people. They are modules designed specifically for journalists because their um, threat analysis is different uh, than for um, for, for media professionals, it's different. For educators, it is different. For students, it is different. For lawyers, it is different. And we do a lot of this kind of training. So I would urge you all to look that up. We put out comics, infographics, and we do these in six languages we would do, but just give you four or five basic tips about what you can do to secure yourselves. I think right now what people can do is that be a little bit more vigilant about never to click on any links if you receive a text from a number you do not know, if you receive an email, links are always an issue. That's how malware gets really um, injected. But um, uh, for, uh, so these are some basic things I can talk about right now. Um, it is also about using a password manager. Many password managers are available for free and they're pretty good. Get a password manager because people have a tendency to really come up with poor passwords and also then using the same password everywhere else. So you don't want to have the headache of remembering all passwords, uh, and you don't want to have the entire issue of uh, getting into that, uh, oh, I will not remember these passwords, and then I'm going to have uh, to generate new passwords every time. So um, get a password manager. You only have to remember one password, and then it can take care of everything. It generates very secure passwords. And then that's that's another tip which people can definitely use. The third thing is that remove all kind of apps from your phones, which you don't require. You really, really don't need all those apps. And a lot of these apps are collecting a lot of data. 
for which they don't need? Why does a flashlight, which is a torch on your phone, needs access to your contact details and phone calls? So watch out for the permissions you give. On all Android devices, on all Apple devices, you can go in your settings, look up the apps and look up permissions and withdraw the permissions you don't think that requires. If it is a Zoom, obviously it does need video and a microphone, but it doesn't need your contact details. So you can pick and choose what permissions you give. That people can do. And uh, thereafter, people should be checking themselves online as well about um, if their data has been leaked and then ensure that that information is definitely, definitely changed. Now, those are some basic things people can do and uh, uh, be more vigilant about it. Um, I think Indian population is very quick to learn. They've learned from WhatsApp to TikTok to Instagram uh, to anything they learn pretty quickly. But I would say making it a habit of being a little bit more vigilant because the repercussions can be really drastic. Uh, right now, actually, it's also media's job uh, to cover what happens when something goes wrong with people's data. I think we don't see enough stories. We don't see enough of the issues. The BBC loan scam one is, was the first one, very fantastic thing. But once you read it, you actually start, try to pay some attention. So we do owe that, that if for education. Yes, I completely agree. Any concluding words, Mishi, on, on our temperament uh, to this? Like, I mean, we have spoken about how we are going through the motions and with every time this news comes out. But do you see any kind of optimistic note in which people are getting aware or frustrated or potentially like demanding clearer rights? In yeah, life? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I would say that first thing people must understand is this is not about which party is in power. It's not about BJP. It's not about Congress. It doesn't matter. No matter which party is power, our rights should be our rights. We need to feel empowered. We are always made to feel ashamed about enforcing our rights. And we need to f understand that when a, a data breach happens or questions about such things have happening, you have to raise those questions no matter which political party is in power because it's about us. That's the first thing. So when we are clear on that thing, then the second thing is we can actually evaluate the response of the government more objectively. The government's job is to work for us. It's not our job to be their cheerleaders. It's our job to get the best kind of services we can get. But sure. that's about it. Thank you so yeah. much for having Thank me so here. Much. Thank you so much.